Welcome to Exit Point. This is Laurent Fratt with co-host Matt Blank. Base jumping is a sport of immense contrast. It provides the highest of highs and sometimes the lowest of lows. The base fatality list is a collection of our community's lowest moments, but inversely, one of our most powerful safety tools, steering us towards a higher understanding of best practices through the hard-earned lessons made by others. Our guest for this episode is Brad Patfield, who has been curating the list for the last 10 years. We wanted to bring him on the podcast to share what goes on behind the scenes and the gritty perspective of who some call Base Jumping's Grim Reaper. Matt, let's share with the listeners some of the things we want to talk to Brad about today. Well, I'd love to talk to him about how he got started on the list and what it's been like to curate it. I'd also love to delve into who he is as a person because I believe that humanizing this character within our community is incredibly important. Uh, Like me, when I had to deal with uh, my jumping partner who went in and uh, get in touch with Pado, uh, I believe that most of us deal with him in the digital space during one of the more challenging points in our lives. And uh, it's a difficult moment that uh, we have to share with almost a complete stranger sometimes. And so I I think it's important for us to get into who he is and uh, why he's doing this, because it's very easy for somebody in these challenging moments to misunderstand his motivations and to mischaracterize uh, him as a person. I'd also love to talk to him about what he's seen over the years. Uh, As somebody that's been so intimately related with the fatality list and uh, curating it and talking to everybody about details, uh, he must have some kind of insight into the patterns that the base community has and some of the mistakes that have been made uh, by us over the years and generation to generation and category by category. So if he's got any insights that will allow us to avoid these mistakes in the future, I'd love to hear them. Undoubtedly, some very powerful lessons and interesting topics to cover with him today. Let's welcome Pato. Hey, Brad. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Um, what I mean, first question uh, before we even get going is what you feel about uh, being called the Grim Reaper of base jumping, which we kind of just like threw as a moniker uh, right in this intro. Oh, that's good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, it's appreciated. It's good to get that across. Um, I've always been, like, since base jumping, when I first started, um, interested in the base fatality list, and it was a major concern for me when I started out. So having that name, the Grim Reaper, I don't know. Um, I've, I've been called it a few times. I just laugh it off. It's it's nothing negative to me at all. Um, well, I don't think it should be. I mean, if we look at the actual archetype, uh, the uh, Grim Reaper is an angel. Hmm. Uh, they're just the angel of death, which is pretty scary. And, you know, in um, our culture, we've been depicting that character as a, a very fearful individual, you know, black cloak and the yep. scythe and the, I can put the hoodie and all on. that. But, you know, in, in other cultures, the Grim Reaper, the person that shepherds you to death is actually like a pretty approachable dude, mm. like pretty chill dude. Yep. And that's the thing. Um, being the Grim Reaper, I've been called it a few times. I kind of laugh it off. Um it's it's part of the sport so it's part of base jumping if you if you get into base jumping there's going to be a little bit of death around you and uh if you haven't experienced it yet you probably will in the future um you'd probably be pretty lucky if you get through your career in base jumping and not have a friend that dies base jumping so i've lost more than 60 friends now 
Wow. From my perspective, I think it's one of the most important things that can be done in the community as well. Mm. So before we get launching off, I'll, I'll say from my end, thanks for doing this. It's uh, usually a thankless job, I would assume, and something that's incredibly taxing, both you know, energy-wise and also you know, social capital-wise. It's uh, tough to be the person that's there like trying to get the details. So thanks for doing that. I think it's incredibly important uh, for all of us to you know, keep, a gu- keep a good eye on uh, the things that can happen in the sport. I'll echo that. Thank you very much, Brad. It's uh, It's been an incredible service to our community and uh, appreciate all your work. Maybe we could start off by uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself, your background with bass. Start yep. from there. No worries. Um, okay, so a bit of background on myself. I um, grew up in Australia and moved to Europe for work in around about 2001, 2003 as a bus driver, of all things for backpackers so I had a pretty good uh, little job going on there and I came across uh, the valley as it's known which is Lauterbrunnen uh, met a heap of base jumpers there and um, one night I went up to the bar didn't know it was a base jumping bar showed up up there and run across all these guys and they were showing me all their footage on their old PC Sony PC 1000 cameras and I thought oh how good's this I'm going to need to do this and uh, they all kind of laughed at me and said yeah we've heard that plenty of times and um sorry i'm just reading off that thing there um so then they pretty much laughed at me and said you're gonna have to go home and do lots of skydives um i did that come back in 2008 2009 and showed up at the horner bar and started base jumping and running to the same people so um from there pretty much uh moved to shirag in norway and um was a boat driver with the instructor there, which was my mentor at the time, same mentor as now, and um, become the boat boat driver, bus driver, learned the ins and outs of Shurag and everything about weather, and then became lead instructor there for a couple of years. Ran the base boogie there, the heli boogie, the largest boogie in the world for, for 2013, and I think we did the most amount of jumps I've ever done in their whole career at Shurag. And then in, in between that time, I was running the base fatality list from 2009 till now. And yeah, just been base jumping all across Europe, been to China, uh, South South Africa, uh, South America. Um, I jumped in America, jumped in Australia. And yeah, all across Australia, just racked up a couple of hundred jumps. I'm up to close to 500 base jumps and probably about 80 of those are wingsuit base jumping mainly in Dolomites and Italy and some in Norway. Um, majority of the base jumps were in my yellow pants, so if people see me in those yellow pants, they normally know that's me and pretty much just been running the base fatality list ever since and always kept it up. So how did you get started in the base fatality list? How was that uh, something that you took or what was the road that led you to take that uh, task on? So I was, I was in Norway in 2009 and the guy I was jumping with, uh, Mike Warren, he died base jumping. And that was the very first good friend jumper that I met that died pretty much within a week of us jumping. And I thought to myself, you know, I need to go back and research the list a bit more. And then I contacted the guy who was running the list at, the, at that time. And it was Abby Marshall. And he run a, ba- um, a drop zone in America. And he told me at that time, because I kept hassling him about, you know, we need to get photos up there because there was no photos at all. Like there was probably, let's say there was 99 people on the fatality list at the time. 
there was probably about maybe 40 with photos and I just thought well they're all people they um they need to have a photo a face so that I can remember them by and I'm I'm really big on that subject that's why I've crashed it down to there's probably two people on the list now with out a photo because I've chased them all up so Abby said look you're really keen you're getting into base jumping more and more I think that you should take it over it's a big thing to do um it's kind of like the spider-man thing you know um what do they say you know with great responsibility comes great power or whatever like that but i just think to myself i need to look after the list um and i've just always done it for the community so that's how i look at it there has been some ups and downs for your collection of information too right there has been uh, it's not always a smooth sailing for you is it uh no it's always you know it's um no one likes to hear that their best friend, you know, partner, brother, whatever, dad has passed away base jumping and that, you know, nine times out of ten they've normally, you know, done something wrong themselves. It's not normally the gear. If you look through the statistics that we look at, the gear is like maybe 2%, like one or two incidents with gear. The rest is always the person is stuffed up. In a way you can say stuffed up. Um, they've messed up. They've, they've made a judgment error and um, it's killed them. And that's what pretty much happens in base jumping. So I've got a question for you. Um, You've seen and reported on so many of these. And, uh, you know, if they're mostly human-related, have you noticed any patterns emerge in, you know, what is leading to those deaths? If they're not equipment-related, maybe something else. But have you you seen any uh, recognizable you know flows generation mm. to generation even well what i what i do see is every couple of years um i'm just trying to find a good way to put it so that the the community can hear that um when i started out the group that i jumped with they they kind of feel like they're inventing the wheel so they're going to go out and they're going to do the jumps that have already been done they've already been wingsuited those lines things like that and so every couple of years more uh the beginner generation come in so let's say between 2009 2012 those people come in at 2009 they learn around about 2010 11 that if you do this these kind of things it can kill you and it's probably kills some of their friends so they start to peter off and slow down a bit and then around 2013 a whole new group will come in they won't focus on what's just been happening and what's killed the previous crew and so they'll come in from 2013 to 2016 around the 2015 mark half of their crew gets killed or a few of them gets killed or injured and then they learn to slow right down so there's a pattern there over time and i've been watching it over the last 10 years 11 years every three to four years a crew comes in you'll see a heap of names come up on on facebook or instagram i don't follow instagram anymore but there's a whole group of names that'll come up that where they're pushing lines and they're doing amazing jumps and there's a whole crew in some area and then two of them will die and then that crew slows right down and then they try and help their information pass it on to the new people but the new people won't want to listen to them and then that crew will come up and they'll start doing everything and you can see the patterns all around the world it happens all over the place so if it's a generational thing like the new generation is just not heeding some of the lessons learned by the previous generation then how do we cut in between that and you know reach the next generation 
before they have to make those mistakes and learn those hard lessons. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's why I try and push the base fatality list to everyone. I try and get it out there. Like, I don't own the list. The list is owned by the worldwide community. Um, I've never, ever once said that I own the list. I want to make sure that everyone in the world that base jump, and you have to base jump, um, anyone who's a base jumper, they own the list. If they want information on that list and it's accurate and it comes from a fatality, then please send it to me. I just look after it. I don't own it. I don't choose what, what goes where. It's up to those people. Everything that's written on there, except for the ones that I've actually seen and been a part of, then I'll write that report. But other people write the report 98% of the time. So um, if they can, the new people, if, if we can get the message across to have a look at the base fatality list, it is coming out slowly. People are actually starting to read it more and more. But if the new people, when they do their course, when they start out, the first thing is go and read it, learn all about it, learn what's killed these people in the past, try not to repeat it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, just merge your consciousness with the list, get on it, and then don't be the person that like repeats, the, I mean, that mistake has already been made. You know, if you're the second person on the list to do something that already was a known factor, you know, there are so many things that you don't know until you don't know, but man, like... It is, it is extra tragic when somebody goes in having made a mistake that was like literally lined out in a list of 300 things, you know? Mm. Yeah, for me, something that an accident that is totally avoidable and just ignorant uh, is the most tragic. And at the top of the show, I mentioned that the base fatality list was a, a sort of metric for the decisions we make in the mountains. And I know personally, and a lot of the friends that I jump with sort of use it as a hypothetical situation of, okay, Hey, if I do this and I end up on the list, how is this going to read? Yeah. And I've found that it's been a, a really good exercise to sort of like step back and be outside of myself to look at it objectively, you know, what it is that I want to do and how is the outcome going to look if it goes wrong? And, uh, it's just been a valuable tool for me and and a lot of my jumping buddies. Okay, so I wanted I, to. Oh, you go ahead. I was going to lead that into a, a question um, because um, the reporting and the information gathering isn't always super consistent for whatever reason. Sometimes people just don't want to share the information. Uh, sometimes it was a, in an illegal area. Um, but I think the majority of the people out there want to provide the best information possible. Are there any tips that you could provide as far as like how to deliver this information to you most effectively? Um, pretty much whenever there's a fatality now, I think the worldwide community knows that, you know, as you said before, the Reaper, but um, Brad Patfield, if they just contact me on Facebook um, or send an email, there's, there's my emails running around. You can send me an information straight away that something happened. And I get it all the time. Like, you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with a ding on the on the phone or something like that, and I'll check it in the morning. And they've sent me, oh, someone here has gone in in, uh, let's say, northern Norway. And because I'm in Australia at that time, it's a totally different time zone. So when I wake up, I, I check that. But, um, yeah, they can easily send me information straight away as they, as they have been. Um, I'm just trying to think the best way get it out there if you've got another question i might come back to that one yeah i've got i've got yeah if uh if i can jump in and make a point real fast mm. um 
back to our notion that you shouldn't be the second one on the list. You know, the speed at which you give this information to Pato is important. And I understand that, like, it's a rough situation to be in when you just saw your best friend or somebody that you love, you know, go in and, you know, your mind is a mess and there are so many factors involved, you know, and there's so much to do. Uh, still, at points in the season, uh, it is incredibly important to get that information over because there'll be so many other people out there doing the exact same thing. And if there's a piece of information, even like something that might seem totally innocuous, you know, that piece of information can save somebody. Because you know, if we go back 2015, 16 season, you know, and there were people like making the same mistake in a wingsuit, like stalling an exit because they didn't understand angle of attack. Mm. You know, and we had, I think at one point it was like 11 deaths, no, 10 deaths in 11 days. Yeah, it was crazy too. And many of them like the exact same thing. So like we're talking like day to day it was mattering. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was actually, I was actually in Brento then. Um, I was wingsuiting down in Brento and I remember landing and someone come up to me and say, man, you've got a busy job going this week. And I said, yeah, yeah. And then as we're doing it, I got a message. Someone else had gone in and it's always the way, like normally when someone goes in, it's like within two to three days, two or three other people go in. If you have a look at that, the dates, you can see they're all kind of like two or three people normally go at the same time. And 2016 was just a crazy year. There was so many people in the sport from 2013, 14, 15. They were getting pushing and pushing. And by the time 2016 came along, there was so many people base jumping. I think the era of base jump between 2010 and 2017, if you look at all the stats, there's a lot of jumps going on around then. And then it petered back off again. It, it slowed right down. So, so yeah. you say looking at the stats, what stats are we talking about? Uh, so if I look at like um, the, the heli boogie stats, they, they look at how many jumpers were there and how many jumps were made. So you can have a look at those stats. If you go to, I think it's uh, Stavanger Base or Base Shirag, they've got stats on there that show how many people showed up. So you can see that there's people around the world moving to that um, base arena and jumping. And it shows me a, a stats list of how many people were jumping around that area. And then there's also other stats where you get from, uh, you know, SBA or things like that that can show you how many people have, you know, been a member at the Horner Bar for that year and how many paid their landing cards. And there's all different types of things to get information. Yeah, that's tough because I think that that's like a, something that's sort of lacking in, in our sport is like an, a reliable understanding mm. of how many people and how many jumps are actually being made. Because, yes, Stavanger Base Club is a good metric for beginners i would say you know yeah sure there's a lot of old timers and and in-betweeners that, that that go but uh i would say the vast majority of people that have been in the sport for you know less than two years would you agree on that yeah and and you could also look at um like brento many years ago people used to hike up nowadays they just you know they hike up 20 meters uh 20 minutes you know like it's a, the easiest hike now the bus drops off at the top of the hill at the back and you hike up and then you're coming down you, you're walking more downhill than you are uphill and um that base bus they sell tickets so they've got to have how many people get on that bus so they're going to know their base jumpers you know and then they also know if if a camera guy comes back on the bus so they would have a stat there of course they'd have to um there's not many people that really get a drive halfway up the hill and then hike up these days, you know, it could be 5% at Brento. So you're going to get numbers there. You get numbers at Chirag, which are positive because that's, they're a company and they make money taking people up and they know how many people they come back on the boat. There's only one way you can come back. You know, you can fly home on a wingsuit, but that's in the afternoon. 
but um yeah you're gonna have a boat boat ticket so you know how many people are on the boat um sba have a pretty good um understanding of how many people get the landing card so you're gonna know that so that you know some people don't do it we wish that they all would because it helps promote the sport there so there's all different ways to find stats i've got a uh, a more precise question to ask and actually let's let preface this by saying it can be as broad an answer as possible because or as necessary because i, I realized before i even asked this that it might be the most difficult question for you to answer yep. um what is the actual quantifiable danger of base jumping so many people have like taken uh, a, like a turn at trying to say, well, you're this likely to die or this likely to get injured. And I've heard so many numbers over the years ranging from like, you know, one in a hundred people to like your 0.01% chance, like likely to seriously injure yourself if you do it more than a year. Or is there any, uh, like number that you can throw out there to kind of speak to that being that you're a little more experienced than anyone that I've ever come across as to the numbers. Um, pretty much, it, it, it's a it's a hard question to answer because I don't think there you know I can ever find that. I can look through all the stats, I can go through all the information and all the history of everything that's ever happened. But um, in aviation sports, like as as far as I've known in aviation sports, the only way to keep on top of things and try and be as safe as you can is to study every day, and you know whether it's read a book, um, watching someone else's video, learning the numbers in a wingsuit jump. You know, um, I don't think there's one thing. Uh, you can do everything right. There's a famous quote there. You can do everything right and still fucking die, you know. That's just how, how it can happen. Um, I'm, I'm transitioning to a different sport, still have base jumping in my background, but um, every day I read a book. Um, you know, I, I, I need to read something to, to learn the knowledge about flying you never ever throw it away you know so every day never ever just go down and think you know everything because you don't know anything you know so in base you heard it from brad here <laughs> so in base learn every day or yeah die. No, that's the thing yeah that's a good one if you're in the sport you need to focus 100 percent on the sport that's that's pretty much it yeah you've got lives behind but when you go base jumping focus everything it is because guess what you only get one chance and if you don't pull that pilot chute out at the end of that jump you pretty much just killed yourself so it is really kind of a live it or don't live it at all type of lifestyle in your opinion uh, basically like if you want to stay off the list that you have to be constantly pursuing uh progression i think that's just my personality i'm a very um anal retentive you know meticulous person everything i do is full on like and it doesn't matter if i'm talking to someone with a thousand base jumps two thousand base jumps you need to be meticulous at everything you do because if you don't i'm going to end up putting a picture of you up on the list and your family's not going to be happy you know and there's there's no easy way to say it like you're going to die um you need to you need to train you need to study do as much as you can and that helps you as they say there's another person talks about a luck jar you know, if you can increase that luck jar and take all that out and study everything and learn everything, you can, you know, benefit you, you keep alive for as long as possible. Can we dump into, can we dump into your statement, you're going to die? Because I think a lot of jumpers hear that and they think, oh, well, dude, I'm not going to die on this jump. And like, 
the once they get away with it on that one jump, they're like, oh, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. Like, I'm going to die. But I don't think that any of us are actually saying it in that way. No. And I don't think that you're saying it in that way. Uh, can you expand on what you're actually, you know, trying to transmit to somebody when they, you're like, dude, you do that and you're you're going to die. Like my, my mentor used to say to me as a joke, you know, no one ever expects to die on a holiday, you know, and a lot of people when they go base jumping, they're on a holiday. They... They leave their own country to travel to Europe or they leave Europe to go to America or South America or China. And it's a holiday as well, you know, and that's what people are trying to think. No one expects to die on a holiday, but you can. And majority of people, if they're base jumping and they're in another country, they're on a holiday as well, so they're going to die on that holiday. Um, if you can, all you need to do is just focus more on, on the sport, uh, training every day, and study as much as possible you know like if you're going over to europe to get pissed and and stay up till two o'clock in the morning it's not going to be right for your head to go base jumping and i've jumped with a heap of people that are on everything and they're not around most of them anymore and yet when i started base jumping i gave up drinking i gave up smoking i gave up everything else because i wanted to focus everything on base jumping so i could live hmm you know, Matt asked a question about uh, statistics and um, what is the most likely cause of death and things along those lines. And um, from our conversation previously, I learned about uh, baseaddict.com. Yep. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a website that breaks down all the numbers in very understandable and readable uh, categories. Yeah, it's a beautiful website. I'm just going over there. It's a very nice website. Could you, um, before I ask the next question, maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about baseaddict.com and, and, and how it came about and, and what people can find there. So uh, pretty much like when I first started, before I started base jumping, um, I wrote a book on base jumping. It's a 432-page booklet, and it's like the great big book of base, but it's actually it's more, it's a little bit different than the pictures and everything. It's more about, you know, there's a, a lot of theory and stuff in that book that I've got. Um, pretty much when I started, I heard about, I knew, I knew of Dwayne Weston and he always wanted numbers and everything like that around the world. And that's what I always try to push against. Um, so I wanted to focus, he wanted to have everyone have a, a worldwide logbook, but at the time no one wanted to put those numbers in or talk about where they jump because it's really illegal back, you know, 20 years ago. It's kind of opened up a lot different now. And the stats on this page, baseaddict.com, come from a, a, a Czech guy. He's a base jumper. He contacted me and said, look, I'd li I love what you do with Blink, with the stats on Blink. There's two different pages on Blink. There's the fatality list and there's the stats page. Um, he got together with me. We sat down. We built an app. And um, it hasn't been released yet, but he's got, he's got like the, the website and it's got all the little drop-down boxes and the stats and it's at baseaddict.com. You click on there and there's all these different little drop down drop down boxes and um you can go by year you can go by wingsuit you can do anything you want there's so many little things and a lot of people don't even see that they don't know about it and it's it's a really good tool really good tool to have a look at like i'm looking at it now as yeah, we I'm talk looking at it now and i'm and i'm uh, the pull the pull the pull down menu that says uh, cause of death yep. <laughs> drowning electrocution fall before jump yep. impact in terminal free fall impact subterminal um so yeah you can even break it down to these very specific causes of death yeah there, like if i if i click on which is morbid as hell but um very effective um, like for instance i can click on um 
all deaths and then I click on cause of death drowning and I can look at it now and it shows me that 1983 there was one he was slick 1986 there was one that was slick uh, 1995 there was a slick and 2000 he was slick in 2007 there was two that drowned they were both slick and 2016 he was slick and he drowned and in 2019 there was one in a wingsuit and then there was a slick so look at that 90% of that they're all slick jumping and they all drown so they're in clothes um, I know that 2019 one that would have been in Norway that guy that drowned just off um, uh, grid set I think it was Pato do you uh, include any of the historical data like you know what happened right before the jump in any of this I see cause of death and it's mostly malfunction related and mm. uh, some kind of you know gear related or a you know mistake related uh is there any like element of like you know what were you doing the night before like how yeah. many of these uh were like you said like people that had just partied at, like you know two hours of sleep on cocaine yeah you know or like and that's you know, a- just rocked in from you know overseas didn't even sleep went right to the wall like you know boom and that's the thing like it's it's really hard to try and like for my job to try and do this and it is a job like i don't get paid for it it takes a lot of time like i'm married you know i have my own job i have my own life i got my own other hobbies that i do but um to get all that kind of um stats and things it's it's a big job you got to search through all the forums you got to look through all the news links it's so hard to find even the person that contacts you and says look their best friend just passed away you ask them, you know, what, when did you get there? Did you fly in? Are you jet lagged? Um, you're asking them all these different questions so that they feed you information. Now, I need to have that information from the person that was there because I don't want to hear it from a Chinese whisper from someone else that says, oh, my mate, he knew him. They said they were out partying all night. To me, that means nothing. I can't take that as 100%. I need to hear that from the guy that was right there when the guy died. So, And look, guys... You know, I'll speak from personal experience here and say, like, again, that is a really tough thing to do. It is. Uh, is. Personally, I didn't even do it. What I did was I sat down with my friend, uh, Adrian Vitzeman, and I was just like, look, man, you were were close here. Like, let me just give you the story, and then you can, like, write it down. I'll put my stamp on it, boom, and then, like, send it to Pato so that he can have the whole story. Like, here's what went on from, like, point a to point b starting with like us arriving in country just here's the you pick out the details and, and right so like sorry yeah and that's the, go that's ahead, the Nick. thing like for me a lot of people say oh, i've got to get it to pato you know he's got to write it up but it's not for me it's actually for the whole community so you getting it to me means that it's going to get out to the whole community the quickest it can and it's only going to get to the base jumping community and if the base jumping people want to give that to other people then that, that's up to them but that page that I put that on, that is only for base jumpers to look at. And if they choose to share that, then as long as it doesn't go public and the media doesn't get it, then that's fine. And that's why there's little headers up above the top. Please, you know, keep it amongst the community. It's about the community. You're here to help the community. So um, when when a fatality happens next year, it's not the best thing. It's, it's probably the worst thing about the sport. But the fact is it can be the most beneficial. It can help everyone else. It just the littlest thing that can happen to you and every day that goes by from a death 
you might lose a little bit of inf- information because your head's just had so much information overload. You need to write everything down. If it's not on a video camera and we can't see it, then you can start thinking, oh, no, he did this, he did this. But we all know from AF days at skydiving, you ask a student, oh, do you remember doing this? And they're like, nah. And then you show them the video camera and they totally did something different. So your mind plays tricks. Yep, and that's that's exactly what I did with Adrian. We just sat down and he wrote it all down. I, I basically told him the whole story as he was the stenographer for it so that we got all the details mm. and he asked yep. me like to refine all the precise points so that like we could have it for later and then boom, uh, mental load overload. And, and sorry, yeah. just to go on that, like the quicker you do it, the better it is. It's not the better for me. It's not better for the community. It's better for you. If you get it out so that you can understand what happened and write it all down and pass it off and then we can have it in a report straight away, yeah, the community will get it straight away and they're all going to be asking questions. That's what they do. But the, the thing is, if you can get that out straight away, um, it decreases more stress on you. If you're going to drag that out for weeks and weeks and weeks, sooner or later, you've got to get that information out. You have to get it out. It doesn't mean it comes to us. It could go to your friend or your family or whatever, but that information needs to get out because the police are going to need to know about it. That's why when it happens, the police are straight onto it. They want to know exactly. They don't take six months to do it. They get onto it straight away. From from my personal experience, I've unfortunately had to uh, to talk to Pato on more than one occasion and uh, I found it actually somewhat therapeutic mm. to uh, to do something, you know, not just go out and get hammered, which also feels good, yeah. it numbs you, but uh, but going out and collecting as much information as possible. For me, the most notable one was Brian, Dan, and Ludo. Yeah. And while not no one was actually there that survived. Um, going and and interviewing everyone who was a part of that day and collecting the GPS data and looking at the map and actually walking the site where they impacted it just gave me something to do to like help and um, kind of gives you closure me personally that it gave it gave closure and it it, it sort of it got rid of that helpless feeling, you know, cause that, that was something that hit a lot of us like, um, by surprise. And, uh, and yeah, so that's just my side. It was, it was quite therapeutic. I felt. Yeah. From a psychological perspective, uh, once you put that story out into the world into objective reality, you have forced yourself to accept it. Mm. And the sooner you accept something like that, the sooner you can start with the grieving process. If you're still negotiating in your own mind, like what actually happened there, then you're going to elongate that grieving process and potentially cause yourself some, you know, challenging moments. Uh, So I can definitely echo that from just the psychological perspective. You know, as soon as you get that narrative out, then other people will like start, you know, sharing the burden of that you know, it diffuses. So it is both helpful for yourself and your own mental like health, but also, you know, to decrease the mental load by, you know, leaning on the community a little bit just by having the facts out there. Yeah, it's, um, it's part of the sport. And whether you like it or not, um, base fatalities are going to happen. Um, if, let's say in the future, everyone was like the best jumper ever, you're still going to get people who have no skydives that are just think, oh, yeah, I can do base jumping. We've seen it in America just at at that one where he jumped off with the skydive rig in front of all those people. 
we get one of those every three to four years. There was one in Russia three years before that. And so you're never, ever going to stop a base fatality. So to get that information out to help the other crew and the worldwide community, as much information as possible, get it out there to us, you know, like get it out to the community as soon as you can. Um, you know, I, uh, I asked you about it being difficult and, and I want you to be a little bit more specific because I heard a rumor that you were tried, someone tried to sue you for, uh, yeah. for putting information on the list. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, me and, a, like, I, I won't name names, but me and a really well famous kind of base jumper from Europe way, I can say, um, he wrote the report on the fatality and the girlfriend at the time did not agree with it. She didn't want it out there. But the thing is, the girlfriend is not a base jumper. I don't even think she was a skydiver. Um, and she's in that point where her boyfriend couldn't have stuffed up, couldn't have made that problem. So in that way, that report is totally false. And she went to the police to try and get it against us. And uh, at the moment, everything's going well with that. But we get one probably every couple of years that, you know, no one likes to hear that their girlfriend or boyfriend stuffed up or did something wrong. But if you can look at the video camera and see what happened, we know exactly what's going to happen just from looking at that camera. And that's, that's the beauty of cameras these days. They, they show you everything. Um, the report come out and he was from that, that actual country where the person died and the police were visiting him and there was um, allegations of suing and coming to me about me putting it on a Facebook page and it was going back and forth for a long time and, and everything's died down lately because at the end of the day, it's all true. I, I only write things that are true. I don't write things that are false. So there won't be any false allegations against me, I don't think. And um, yeah, I've gone through many of those at the moment. So it's it's a tough part of the base fatality list. People give you death threats. Um, they don't like you because you tell the truth. And I'm sorry, but that's what i got to do. It's part of being you know the curator of the list i've got to look after that i'm not here to write fake things or things that someone wants me to write i write exactly what it is because that's the part that i've i've played in this role i can't lie i'd like to add in a kind of a plea at this point and say you know please don't uh, judge people based on the last action they made. It's not, mm. it's not a, you know, it's just not fair. So like when, uh, you know, something like this happens and somebody makes a mistake, you know, a lot of these are human errors. They're not, you know, judgments of one's character. No. And so, you know, you, there's no reason to get heated about, you know, what actually was the mistake that led to somebody's death. It, it doesn't recharacterize who they are as a person. No, that's it. Like, um, absolutely. Yeah, we time and time again, you look at all the base jumping deaths, and it's normally the person does the mistake. Now, when I put that up there, people kind of feel like I'm attacking them, but I'm not attacking them at all. I'm getting the information out so that we don't get someone else that's going to be on that list. I I don't even know ninety percent of the base jumpers that much anymore. You know, they wouldn't even know that I was a base jumper. They they look at me as some paragliding dude. But um, the fact is. The reason that I put it up there is to try and save people's lives. No other way. It's just because when I first started out, I lost so many of my friends and I don't really want other people to go through what I've gone through. And yes, I'm up around the 60 mark of how many people I've lost base jumping. And it's nothing to attack their character. It's about telling what happened. And I want to get it out. Like if you've lost a loved one, wouldn't you like to know what the hell happened instead of just going, oh, they died base jumping? 
because that's what it used to be like in the 80s and 90s. They never talked about it. Yeah, it's a difficult balance, I think, at base because there's a sense of urgency, like we talked about, of getting that information out and knowing what happened. But then there's the human side of like, damn, you know, this was my adventure buddy. Yeah. We were close friends and and uh, it's a it's a difficult balance to uh, to sort of uh, to separate. I know that uh, even the way people respond in comments to the base fatality reports, you know, some people will look at it as a, a memorial. Other people look at it as a very, uh, you know, strictly logical accident report. And uh, you can see there's, I mean, the emotions are high. Mm. People are upset. And uh, there's, you know, even insults thrown back and forth. I know that you have to do a lot of uh, editing yeah. and censoring sometimes when, when, when people are attacking each other on, in the comments. Well, and, uh, you know, like, let's... Let's let's give ourselves a break there. You know, uh, we're all in this to have a good time and have amazing experiences. And uh, undoubtedly, the emotions will be high around these sort of topics. And give ourselves the space to sort of forgive each other um, when we don't necessarily respond exactly how you're expecting. And like all comments on the internet, it's you know the very end of a long discussion in your mind that's presented on the screen. What I've always tried to do is to make sure that it doesn't end up like the base jumper of the 2005 to 2015 era, where people are just absolutely smashing each other and people don't want to be a part of that kind of thing, so they pull, they withdraw from it. So in the base fatality Facebook, if there's comments on there that are attacking other people for no reason, just because they've said something, I will delete those comments because you don't need that it's not a place where you're going to be arguing about it. Someone obviously knows the person really well and they're upset. And then there's another person that may never even been around a base death before. So they don't even have that empathy for that person. They don't, they just see their own thing and think, ah, he died, whatever he did this, but there's no need to contact or argue with each other and call them this and that and say, whatever, because that person has just lost their best friend that they've probably base jumped with since the start. They did their first jump course together. So for them, that's their best friend. And then here's someone else in another country attacking them and calling them a dickhead and all this thing for no reason, just because they, they have some difference in, in this death because he might have died because he tripped on the exit or something like that. Oh, how can you trip? Everyone can trip. You, you, you know, you're, not, you're a human being. You're going to make a mistake. And it happens. Mistakes happen. You can never wipe mistakes out. You can never be the perfect. If you were the perfect person, Man, I've never met a perfect person yet. So. You're probably not base jumping if you are a perfect person. Yeah, yeah it's a good lesson uh, to admit your mistakes early and often because we never stop making them. I was yeah. telling somebody the other day, you know, about that. And they thought for some reason because I had so many jumps under my belt that I never made mistakes. And I was like, no, that's that's not the case. Uh, in fact, like I can probably point out at least one mistake that I make on every jump, you know, it's very seldom that at this stage in my career that I do something as complex as what I'm attempting without like one small thing, at least not being like picture perfect. And like, I can count that as a mistake, you know? And so if that's the case, then everybody is. And, and for the base fatality list, those people have just made a mistake and it killed them. And other people have been lucky. They've, they've made mistakes and they've survived and they've gotten away with it. And I thought, oh yeah. But the thing is, 
these other people, they've made a mistake. It's killed them. Their friends are on the comment page saying, you know, he was a great guy and then someone else is right and, oh, but he did this and this. Well, that's up to them, you know. Like, I, for myself, I don't try and put any judgments on the page. It's not about what I think. It's about just getting the report out there, getting everyone out. And if people have arguments on there, I will delete them. I won't block them, but if they consistently go, 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 then, yeah, I think I block like one or two people off the page because – they're just for no reason, just attacking people for no reason, just to create mayhem, you know. You've done a good job of being, um, of being very objective, mm. and uh, I know that there's also room for correction too. You're also a human, and when there's information that's on there that may not be correct, even though you do the best job you can, you're a very approachable person yeah. uh, who is willing to listen to any other additional information that may present itself. So, if if someone out there is listening and this happens to you, you know, just just hit Pato up and and give him the information that you have in a in a calm and concise manner, and uh, you know maybe there will be some change there. And and that's the thing. Like if if there's a fatality that happens, um, someone will contact me and say, "Oh, there's a fatality in this area." And then I try and look, I try and look for the person who's most active around there to get an information of who's jumping. And if I contact you, I'm not trying to be insincere or anything like that. It's just that I want to get the the template to you. You can take your own time. Um, if it takes you a week, a, a month, whatever, just I'll give you the template. You fill it out and get it back to me. The quicker would be better. But I understand because I've been around that. You've got to deal with police cor- coroners. You've got to make sure the family, there's insurances. There's, you know, going back to your hotel room and, and there's a lot of things that go through your mind at that time. So um, if there is a fatality and I contact you, I'm not being insincere. I try and be as polite as possible. But at the end of the day, it's probably the worst job in base jumping is to contact someone who's just lost their best friend and try and ask them, can you please let me know information? I'm not doing it to be a nosy person. I'm doing it for everyone in the world. That's what I do. Yeah, that is a a tough job. And I think it actually is right behind having to tell people's Mm. family. That's the worst. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the worst. On that note, I can also say, look, you know, if your best friend's just gone in, and again, that's uh, something that's written into my storyline, uh, let's start trying to think about like the next person that is going to be in the exact same shoes as you. Yeah. If you don't like share the information that led to that, like that led to that fatality, you know, as as crappy as it feels to you know be you know in that state of mind. Uh, also, uh, you could save somebody else that challenge. So that's what it's uh, all about it from a personal perspective. And circling back to uh, the cycle, the psychology of, you know, grief um, and the process, you know, anger is part of the process. So, you know, if you, fe- if you feel like angry as you see something on uh, the base fatality list, uh, there's a ton of different ways that you can handle that. And, you know, the community is well suited to, you know, hear you out. So before you think about, you know, transferring that anger onto the page, maybe just like pick up the phone and give one of your buddies a call. You know, there's tons of us out here that'll answer the phone happily for you and talk that through. And and that's the thing, like in comments too, like people just, they lose it in, in some of the comments. Um, the best thing is if you're feeling pretty grief stricken from your best friend just dying, maybe you don't need to be on the internet. You know, the internet's not there so you can lay out all your feelings when when you're at your lowest because your best friend's just passed. So maybe take a step back for a day and, you know, I, w- I will contact you and it's not being insincere or anything like that. It's just 
I'm trying to help the community get the information so that we can help someone else so that they don't feel the same way that you're feeling right now. That is one of the best pieces of advice that I've also gotten from another base jumper, uh, Scotty Bob. And uh, when I was going through this, uh, he like sat me down and he's like, look, man, you're going to get a thousand messages in the next like two hours. Yeah. Okay. Everyone wants to know. Choose the ones that you want to get back to. Fucking forget all the rest. Everyone is going to understand. Yeah. Okay. So like just take the couple that are important and then stay off of the rest of this thing. It's not, it's going to be a whirlwind. And it does for, as soon as it happens, the, the whispers get out there to everyone and for me to know within 20 minutes and sometimes people are still on the on the scene and I've I've got a, a report up there knowing what's going on people are like how the hell did you know that it's because people share that information and everyone wants to know about it everyone so just um if I contact you as I was saying before just you know I'm not being insincere at all so with all of those uh incidents that you're reporting on accidents that you're, uh, you know, have to be deep into, do you, uh, do you still have a, a light perspective on base? Are you still stoked? Yeah. Are you still looking forward to making jumps? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, if, if COVID wasn't around this, this stupid COVID, um, I, I've married a Eastern European. So if I want to, I can just go to Europe whenever I want. And, um, which I'm planning to do in the next 10 years, I want to be back over there jumping and flying. I want to do a lot of paragliding over there and wingsuit base jumping. But, um, yeah, for sure. I, being around the thing, I try and, like, uh, differentiate from the negative of the deaths to base jumping. Base jumping is still the be-all, end-all for me. Since I got into it, it's it's everything, you know. Base jumping is just what everyone else gets. They get a real high level of stoke and they're really happy to be out there in the mountains and climbing with their friends and that. And then you've got the fatality list. So I try and make sure that that's not part of my life to make any negative. My wife knows that, you know, to me, it hasn't changed anything in me. Um, I was out in 2016, I was wingsuiting and everyone was just dropping off every two days. It was crazy that time. That was one of the busiest, busiest times. And yet here I was in Brento base jumping and people come up to me going, man, you've got a tough job. And now I'm on the exit every day. I don't think about that. I'm thinking about base jumping. So how did you get to a point of acceptance like that? I mean, that's a, a pretty balanced uh, perspective on death. Um, it, it's, it's different. Like many years ago when I was jumping with the people, like numerous times I've jumped with people and they've, they've gone in right in front of me. I've looked at them. I remember when I was taking a crew out to Shirag one time, I had like 12 students. Their first day, they had to come out and look at the landing area. And a Russian guy did a couple of flips and crashed into the wall and was hung up on the wall. And they all come running up to me and crying and, what are you going to do with this guy? And I said, well, he's dead. There's nothing I can do. He's died. You know, I'm calling the rescue right now. We're going to get him. Half those people went home crying. They never come back. They never started base jumping. It was it was good for them to learn that. The, the death is a part of the sport. Um, for me to differentiate that is, I don't know. I accepted it after losing a lot of friends and realized it's part of the sport. Death is a part of it. I've lost friends in other sports and it's totally shattered me. You know, I've bawled my eyes out crying all the time and that was years ago. But with base jumping these days, I I know the name, I just don't know the person. So for me, many years ago, I jumped with them. I've lost over 60 friends. 
I had a count there a couple of years ago. I was at 50-something, and now it would be up in the 60s easy that I know of and jump with. And now I kind of don't know those people. These are all the new wave of people coming in trying to do the lines and break records and do all this stuff. And it's um, for me, I can I can change my whole whole way that way. I don't know them, so it doesn't affect me as, as much as what it used to. I think that we can acknowledge that it's extremely difficult when someone dies and, um, you know, uh, this sense of maybe what sounds like being calloused, mm. um, isn't necessarily something that's always stable either. Like I've known from my personal experience that, you know, I've lost friends and, uh, it was really difficult and I just maintained that stoke and couldn't wait to jump that, that continue even that day. And there's been other ones where it took a year to get that, to, to find that excitement back again, you know, like, cause even on the hike, I'd think about them or, you know, at the exit point, I'm gearing up, putting my helmet on and I'm thinking about the body's lost. And, uh, it's, it's been somewhat cyclical from my experience. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to, to not like base jumping anymore. I wanted it to, 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 uh, just to, to move on to something else. Cause there is a lot of chaos sometimes there's yeah. a lot of carnage and man, it's still, it just adds color to my life. Like no other activity. It's just, it, it like electrifies, uh, you know, what would already feel like just a smaller existence. And, uh, I, I haven't been able to find anything else that can replace it with that sort of intensity and, and color and excitement. And, and the good, man. and the good thing is there is you can go back to videos like because i used to run videos all the time you go back to some videos of some of the jumps you've done and you don't even know some of the footage that you've got from choking and laughing with those people and it 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 brings a good smile to my face to go yeah i remember that day that was a really good day yeah he's passed on now but he passed on base jumping but for me i I look at those times and i think yeah remember all the hikes and the and the laughter and the things that we used to do and talk about and different perspectives from a different country he was from another country and he told me about this and that and that's how i remember the people i try and look at their face and then remember all the good times i had with those people uh, gone but never forgotten yeah that's the that's other the section. statement at the bottom of the page mm. and uh, i i definitely agree with that and in fact i think that some of the friends that we've lost when we like collectively get back together we kind of get them back in the aggregate. It's like really interesting when we come to the party and everyone brings that little piece of like, oh yeah, I have this story about this and that. And oh, wasn't he like this? And wasn't he like that? And then all of a sudden he's at the party with us or they're at the party with us. All the good memories come back, you know? So, and and another thing with that gone, but not forgotten, if you click on that, it'll take you into people that have died who were base jumpers, but they died doing something else, you know, like skydiving or in a plane crash or a car accident there is actually in that little bit on on Blink and on Base Addict, um, gone but not forgotten. You can click on there and it shows you that you know this person he didn't buy base jumping, but he died from a car accident um, or was drunk or something like that. You know, so we're trying not to forget about the people that we used to jump with. I want to circle back for a second to uh, the acceptance of that person going in and those students looking at you and Mm. uh, having that emotional reaction. And I think that's an important lesson to everyone that's progressing in the sport, that's just, you know, starting to learn and 
they might assume that this sport is like other realms where death is unacceptable. You know, like if you were to go climbing, like your instructors would not accept you dying. And in this sport, there is a realm where your instructors or the people that you're learning from have zero control over you. And it is the benchmark for human freedom at that point. And because of that, the sport also has a wild and radical acceptance of death. And so if you go into the sport thinking like, oh, my mentors and my instructors are like somehow protecting me in this way, uh, you should rethink that because there are a lot of times where in which like none of us can, you're completely on your own. And in those realms, everyone in this sport will accept your death. Yeah. And that's, you know, I used to teach uh, students and I've taught over 200 of them. Um, The thing is, I used to say to most of them is as soon as you step off that cliff, you're pretty much making your own rules. Like I can tell you everything that I know and teach you everything. But if you haven't done the background to learning the tracking or the exit, you know, anything to do with it, as soon as you step off that edge, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do. It's all on you. And um, it comes down to your decisions and what you do with your body in free fall. And when you decide to pull, some people don't pull, you know. I've, I've seen it in, in the stats there that, you know, they're wingsuiting, something's happened. We don't know. We're not with them, but they, they haven't pulled. So um, getting back to the students on the wall and that, it's good for people to see that because a lot of people kind of sense that they're coming to base jumping and it's never going to happen to them. Well, it does happen to a lot of people in base jumping. If, if you've been around base jumping longer than two, three years, you're surely going to know a couple of people that have died. And so... You don't want to be ignorant of the fact that you can die base jumping. It's part of the sport. It's one of the most dangerous in the world. Um, but, yeah, you've got to make sure that you don't kind of walk around thinking, oh, it'll never happen to me because what happens if it does happen to your best friend or your brother or, or it's your uncle? You need to know things about it and understand it. Don't try and hide it. Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh peace to our radically free culture yeah you know rest of society there's a backstop you know it's really hard to die in other places you know seat belts airbags people watching your back people not allowing you to do this like the margins of society are are written in kind of stone you know there are many people who will try and you know rip you away from trying to kill yourself and in Mm. base jumping we're the exact opposite we're here to like you know opportune you like you know give you all of the the skills and agency to literally put yourself past the point of death at some points you know flying through trees you know 200 miles an hour you're radically in the death zone you need to make educated aggressive decisions to not die yep and so in these realms like we've shifted completely away from society and that that's i i think a great takeaway of like we've given you all the freedom here none of the none of the actual like can like we have no control there's no tending the light from like the outside perspective but we have given you all of the freedom to do basically everything up to and including kill yourself at multiple points during this jump <laughs> at very on that yeah just even with uh covid to something that made that super apparent to me was how 
you know, at the beginning, how we didn't know how lethal it was. Everyone was running around putting masks on um, and face shields and safety glasses. And, um, and this isn't, I don't mean to diminish COVID in any regard, but a lot of times for my colleagues and people in my family and around who had never had their safety in their own hands, uh, it was a, it was an interesting perspective to see, okay, yeah, look, this is something that is uh, fairly regular for us in our community. And this was something brand new for the majority of our civilization whose, you know, entire lives have been completely nerfed. Yeah, that was a good time to be a base jumper, no doubt. Like when everyone thought that they were going to die just by like walking outside and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I've, I've kind of already reconciled <laughs> this for myself. So like... Uh, you, I'm you live worried, and breathe but, like, it. I'm still chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> still going to have a good time before it happens. Yeah. 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 If, I mean, if we're going to go to impact, we're like, we're good at partying till impact. Like, yeah. Hey, so Brad, <laughs> um, are we, um, are you going to keep doing this work for us? Are you going to still uh, keep taking care of the community and, and doing these reports? Yeah. Um, until someone else steps up, that's, uh, more keen than I am. Um, I'm happy to do it for a long, long time. Um, I try not to be judgmental on the person that dies. I, I don't want to get my thoughts in the comment section. I just put the reports there and give it to the worldwide community. And I try not to favor anyone or any company. Um, and I, I think I've done a pretty good job that way. If I, When I look back at it and I think if I've saved one or two people, and I'm sure there's listeners here that have said, yeah, man, just putting that out there has probably saved me once or twice then I've done something. And that's what I really, really hope that everyone who base jumps gives something back to the community. Whether if you've got, you know, over 200 jumps or 500 base jumps and you can help people pack or you're an instructor and you can help people, it's about making the community safer. And that's what this list is about. It sounds like a negative list and people call me the reaper and it's, you know, there's a lot of death on it. But at the end of the day, we're only here to try and make base jumping safer and information will help you and no matter if you don't want it or not as much information you can have in your brain it'll help you make better decisions and it might stop you from being on that base fatality list well so said, brother nobody wants their their picture on no. on the list and uh is there any way that people can help support you or uh the website or or anything um for me no i i'd always done my own thing and worked to travel and do the base jumping and things like that um base addict sometimes uh the guy who's built base addict he um he takes like you know like five ten dollars or three dollars whatever you can afford to keep that website running so if you use that website maybe throw him two three bucks um two three American dollars is a little bit more in euro, so it's a bonus for him, you know. And that's only to, you know, if we meet people in the street, or he does, and then he can buy him a coffee or anything like that. So if if you take anything away from it and it's a really good website for you, maybe give him $2. And he always puts up a little thing on who's, who's giving him money, and he doesn't put that in his own bank account. He puts that into the Base Addict website bank account, and it goes into keeping that website up and running. Um, Pretty much all I need from people is send reports and um, don't be afraid to contact me if you have a question. Like I'm always up to answer questions no matter what. 
Absolutely. And I definitely urge everybody to check out baseaddict.com forward slash analytics. It's a wealth of information there. You can see exactly what are the most dangerous elements, um, you know, where people are making mistakes. And uh, yeah, you, you can spend quite a bit of time, you know, uh, going over all the different scenarios and uh, factors that are involved. And there's a support base addict by buy coffee yeah. at button at the bottom of the page. So if you want to jump on that and, and give them a little sum, that's, that would be pretty cool. Also, everybody, look, uh, Grim Reaper is the title, but let me remind you again, this man is an angel of this community. And while a lot of people might come at you for one reason or another, wanting to know the details, trying to like co-opt the misery of the situation or whatever else, I can tell you unequivocally that Pato is trying to help and he is helping. So please take his calls, give him the information. If you don't believe what I'm saying, give me a shout. I'll put my email address in the uh, notes on here. Just give me a shout and I will explain this character to you because like he is incredibly important and we were lucky to have him. It's all, it's all about the community. That's, that's all we care about. Um, it's not about my ego or, my background in base jumping or anything like that um if something's happened get in touch if i get in touch with you don't be offended um if you know you're in you're in the toughest part of your life right then when i get in touch with you so that's okay i've i've been abused numerous times and i'm used to it so if you want to call me every name under the sun that's fine i'm okay with that i have a really good backbone um so yeah don't worry about that like i'm always going to come back and contact you and contact you and contact you um, because every person needs to have a photo and they need to be remembered exactly the same way that you remember that person that just went in. Thanks for all your hard work and thank you for this conversation. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to uh, doing some flying with you in the near future. Yeah, I hope so. Be good. All right, Pato, take care, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate what you're doing and uh, hopefully all the uh, community gets that out and um, listens to all your podcasts and it goes well. Really happy yeah, that you guys if, are doing uh, it. If you don't hear it from somebody else, I'll just say it to you right now, man. I love you. Straight <laughs> up. I love both of you guys too. So stick around too. Love you, Pat. <laughs> Interesting perspective from uh, Base Jumping's Grim Reaper, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was a great one. And we've got so many other places to go with this. I think we're going to have to make this a regular segment. Yeah, if he's willing. I mean, the scheduling was pretty difficult. You're in Moab, Utah. I'm in uh, the Northern Alps, and he's in Australia. I mean, talk about a scheduling mishap, fucking craziness. Um, but, uh, but we did it. And uh, yeah, I think it was worth it. That was a, a great conversation. And, uh, you know, I had some ideas. I, I've known Pato for quite a while, and uh, uh, yeah, it's like uh, I always sort of like, man, how can this guy like surround himself with all the carnage? You know, like how can he enjoy being the curator of carnage? Uh, but um, he seems to be, you know, in it for the right reasons, and uh, and seems to have a, a healthy perspective on it and a very realistic perspective on it. Yeah, he really does seem like that angel character that just kind of floats down, you know, and just kind of puts an arm around your shoulder and goes like, hey, man, what happened here? You know, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about this for just a second. 
and you know, and he's the one that you get your to... friends for a photo. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, look, it's a, like for that, that, that sounds like to me, like, look, it's okay. Okay. What we're going to do here is we're going to put the details down and then we're going to make sure that this person is never forgotten. So just ship me over a photo and that's this per- first piece of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also yeah. like the, uh, the idea that like, this is all a community thing, you know, like how are we going to beat the numbers? How are we going to beat the statistics? you know, together, like no one's going to beat the statistics alone. You know, if you think that like we can just roll up on the scene and be the anomaly, then like that's exactly everyone that's on the list. Everyone on the list said that, you know, the people that are not on the list mostly say like, look, this is, you know, an individual pursuit, but it's a team sport. Like come out here and let's support each other and learn from each other's mistakes. And then we might be able to beat the numbers. Yes, and this is actually one of our upcoming episodes is uh, base jumping. Is it a team sport? And uh, we both have some very strong feelings around that. And uh, and I'm looking forward to diving into that topic even farther. Nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm stoked for it. Thanks, Matt. Another, um, another great conversation in the bag there. Appreciate it, yeah. buddy. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. All right, we'll catch you on the next one. Also, this podcast is co-produced and edited by Mark Stockwell. See ya. Later.